You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. We're gonna talk with the mayor, cause the mayor says he wants to have a chat. We're gonna talk with the mayor, cause the mayor says he knows where it's at. Hey, hey everyone, it's it's me, D.B. Spitzer here. Um, just just talking to you from the mayor's office of Oleander, Oregon. And just to let you know that we currently still have no mayor. We do have a comptroller, that's me. I, a bunch of stuff's just pretty much on autopilot. Uh, nothing really happens here, except for weird stuff that pretty much takes care of itself by the end of the month. So, yeah. Um... Just keep on keeping on. Uh, apparently, a bunch of people put on those uh, gray boiler suits and built a corral around the, uh, the, uh, the the massive, massive, massive cemetery. And all of the sheep have gone into that structure. Uh, compliments of some sort of automated mayor. More on that automated mayor, I guess, later. All right. Back to Radio Free Oleander with uh, that super great guy, Farmer Dave. He's well. Hey everybody, it's me, DB. DB Spitzer, you know, the host of this show. Co-host, should I say? The DB. The DB. Not all those other phony DBs. The one, (laughs) the only, the real DB. I, I think the mayor may have something to say about that, or I don't know if the mayor's still the mayor. Anyway. Yeah. Huh. Well, he just goes by Dan. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I think it was a rumor that he was called DB at one point in time, but yeah. Yeah, I think that that was a misnomer. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, Dave, Dave, uh, how how the heck are you doing? Here we are in the last week of February. I am well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so it's, um, uh... You know, um, you'll be proud of me. Oh, okay. I did not put any blue um, uh, Mountain Dew on any of those little proto small triple goat things okay. to turn them blue. All right. So I went. I went to, and no offense, but I went to the most mature person I know in hey. town. Okay. I, I, I went to Pinky. <laughs> for those that don't listen, Pinky is. Uh, uh, Jennifer uh, Tuscadero, Pinky. She's our, uh, she's our one of our seven veterinarians. We have no doctors in Oleander, but we got a bunch of veterinarians. And and I told her that this is what I want to do. And she explained to me why, as a human and as a veterinarian scientist, it was a bad thing. And so uh, then I said, well, what happens if we put pink lemonade on it? And she says, we will have to find out. <laughs> so you may have noticed that there are a bunch of pink goats wandering around town. Okay, okay, that that, that makes sense, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. That we tracks. call them the pinkettes. Ah, all right. Well, uh, I'm just glad that we didn't have any uh, blue gremlin-y goat kind of things going on, or anything that we'd have to, like, I don't know, be like, well, we had to send those guys to the next town over, like, uh... 
that 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 plant thing and uh yeah yeah anyway yeah well, the, the, that would be a terrible thing to put on someone's death certificate yeah gored to death by a pink goat <laughs> yes it would be yes it would be so um yeah anything else going on with you these days dave Blech. oh you may have noticed that the that there's a few people that were missing that have returned and uh the men in black have left oh they didn't return minion did they yeah yeah they didn't take they didn't keep minion he's <laughs> he's back but but he doesn't remember anything <laughs> he doesn't remember but yeah but uh, i talked to you know uh the uh the chief reporter or main reporter for our the Lander newspaper, the Interesting Times, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Nellie Bly. Yeah. And as near as she can tell, apparently there was. You remember? You remember back in 2020? Uh, vaguely. Okay, so you remember there was a big thing where the president at the time wasn't going to sign the budget because he was, I don't know what, but he was having some sort of problem. He wasn't, and they were had to like over. They were doing an override in the military budget. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently there was a writer in that that somebody snuck in I don't know who that you had that the government agencies had to release all the documents that they had on UFO cases huh and apparently that went out today and I I don't know if this is true but I heard that like CIA like dropped like a million pages oh wow They're probably all redacted I don't know I haven't seen it <laughs> but you know so so Nellie's theory is that they were here um, to um, basically make a decision what they were going to release and what they weren't. Yeah, yeah. So, so yep. The, apparently, the documents have all been released, and the the men in black and the women in black have left, and they've returned Minion. All right. And all these people that are listening for the first time, are they talking about little tiny yellow guys in overalls? No, no, that that's that that's kind of I don't know what is he our rival, rival or foil or just kind of a, just a well I won't say anything bad about him because he might try to sue us. But yeah, we're kind of competition. I'd say uh, in wrestling terms, he's my heel. I mean, uh, he he's I, I like having Minion around because I always look really good standing next to him. Yes, you do. <laughs> I mean, not that I've, I've I've had a chance to stand next to him, next to him, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But so Minion's back in the the black helicopters and black Learjets and black limousines and black Lincoln Town cars are all gone. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. So, so I noticed you uh, finally took the Christmas tree lights down at uh, uh, Uncle Owen's. Uh, what's that about? Oh well. You know, normally, you know, I wait because sometimes I get lost at night. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, you know, that's so I keep the Christmas tree up. But I finally took that down and the big giant goat. Um, I'm not Catholic, but, it, you know, it's part of Lent. Okay. You know, All you right. take your Christmas lights down. Now, you may be wondering, well, wasn't Lent like two and a half weeks ago? Yeah. It, it, probably. But see... Um, I go off of Bjorn and Sven and Sven. In fact, you know, uh-huh. I, I love those guys. They're just the nicest guys, but they're they're um, 
they're Norwegian Orthodox. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, you, you know, it, it's a sin to leave your lights on, but we love you. Have some lunarfish. <laughs> I mean, these guys are old Norwegian guys, and they're so adorable. Say, you know, we love you. You're going to hell, but we love you. And so, you know, I kind of took them down for them because, you know, um, and so uh, I, I I celebrated Mardi Gras yesterday by taking off my lights and having a little uh, social distancing uh, uh, party, you know, uh, and, and uh, you know how Bjorn and Sven and Sven they gave me uh, Christmas cookies with Skittles on them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so so I, I, I made I made uh, po' boy sandwiches with jambalaya on it, nice. which is really really good. You know, you just get a roll, you know, I have provolone cheese. And then I put a little ham and uh, a little um, uh, salami, and then I made up some jambalaya and just put it on. It's like a Cajun sloppy joe. Wow, that sounds really good. That sounds that sounds that sounds really nice. We should talk more about food later. Actually, let's talk more about food right now. Um, I, I I didn't celebrate Mardi Gras because. Um, well, I didn't celebrate Mardi Gras uh, the other day, but um, a couple weeks back, I did celebrate Foschnacht over at uh, Oblivion's, which I mean, Gesundheit. <laughs> thank you. It's 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 feast night in German. It's and, and it's not like it's it's not like a major German holiday. Not everyone. It's like a weird little corner pocket in southwest Germany where my family's from, and like a the whole Salesians. bunch. Uh, the Schwabians. Swabians. Swabians. I'm sorry, that's yeah, a, that's Swabians. And uh, luckily enough, like uh, the family that owns Oblivions, the mayors. Not you know, it was kind of funny when back in the 1800s when the mayor, Mayor Oblivion, was Mayor o- o- Oblivion, Mayor, Mayor. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they they had social distance uh, Fashnacht, and everyone just walked around in like big paper mache helmets and. Oh, hats. Not hats. Uh, masks. But they, they fit over your head. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, you drink a lot. Uh, alcoholic, non-alcoholic. Uh, you just consume a lot of food and beverage and, like, get warm and hang out and stand by a uh, giant uh, pile of logs on fire. Um, what's that, a pyre? And, you know, just, just kind of have a, a good time. It's, it's, it's like cold weather, hangout, good time, like old school Catholic kind of thing, but I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's, 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 it's what you do, you know, the night before Lent starts. <laughs> so, okay. it's, it's Mardi Gras, but it's like uh, you know, from the other side of the Alps, but yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a good German holiday when you know a, a log is going to get burnt. Yeah, yeah. Or, or if there's a dessert made that looks like a log. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway, I could I could talk about German desserts for probably about fifteen minutes, and then realize that everyone was bored or hungry and went away to go eat or sleep. But <laughs> Yeah, so 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 I made a I made a king cake. Yeah, nice. Y- you know the tradition of the king cake. Uh, whoever finds the baby, little plastic baby that's inside of your cake, buys the next king cake. Exactly, or or hosts the next party. Oh, nice. But you know when you're social distancing and doing it by yourself. Yeah. You're bound to get it. <laughs> so I got the baby. Well, that's cool. That's cool. 
Uh, I, I, I did not have a uh, king cake, but I did have a, uh, because I'm allergic to milk and eggs, I had a vegan uh, Black Forest uh, cake uh, for my mm. birthday, which lasted until Mardi Gras. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, it, um, yeah, I had that cake until, uh, Chinese New Year. It was, it was great. Um, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, you, you know what a hurricane is, right? Yes, I do. So, so I don't drink. So, mm-hmm. so I made basically fruit punch. I call it tropical storm. Uh-huh. That way, if somebody was there, they could upgrade it to a hurricane if they put rum in it. <laughs> Did you drink a yard of it? A yard of it? Like, like, was it in a big, huge glass, like a hurricane glass, or? Well, so, so my uncle Owen had like um, these hurricane lamps. Yeah. And so I just put like aluminum foil on the bottom of the flu of the lamp, (laughs) and it didn't hold very well, so it spilled all over the table. But yeah, so I tried to make make my own homemade. That's the other thing about having uh, social distancing by yourself, Mardi Gras, Mm -hmm. because you know. I mean, I dropped the food off at, at Bjorn and Sven and Sven's, but, you know, mm-hmm. they, they didn't come in. Uh, but you can make a huge mess as you want when you're by yourself. And uh, you just say, yeah, I'll clean it up tomorrow. Oh, yeah, but then you have to clean it up tomorrow. <laughs> Not necessarily. Okay, all right. I didn't say that. All right, all right. So, uh, what else do we got going on? You've, you've, you've got an interview with uh, someone, I think. Yeah, so Stephen D. Sullivan, who's been, you know, someone that's been sort of in the, the you know, the horror writing, role-playing game, you know, for at least a good three-plus decades, mm-hmm. he's got a new book out. Cool. And it's called Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors. Um, and uh, we're going to kind of discuss that as a little bit of more, um, um, more, more things that he's written. Nice. Sounds cool. All right. So, and uh, after that, uh, after the break, we will have some D and D on D and D, and we're going to talk about food in D and D. My artificer created an instant pot. <laughs> so, what exactly is an iron rations? All right. Uh, Iron. Let us, okay. okay, I will go ahead and <laughs> We'll see uh, after start. the break, everyone. And once again, scientists have come on the show to explain that my theory that the local oleander fog is caused by ghost pirates is, what was the word they used? Nonsense. But we'll have a rebuttal afterwards because I've got something much more important than sharing my strange and weird theories and we have a special guest steve sullivan uh steve if maybe you could introduce yourself to the audience yeah i I should warn people right off that i don't really know anything about oleander fog though ghost pilots would have fit into my show on candy radio that i did for a little while uh about 10 years ago for a year with uh, Linda Godfrey, who you may have seen on every show ever about werewolves. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, 
as you said, my name is Steve Sullivan, Stephen D. Sullivan, professionally, and I have been in books and games and comic books for over 40 years now. I started out working at TSR, the Dungeons and Dragons people, as an editor and then an artist, uh, did a little bit of writing in there too. I segued over into freelance art and eventually comic books where I did more writing than art, and from there segued eventually into doing uh, just straight prose, novels, short stories, that kind of thing. And over the years, I've kind of kept a hand in, in most of that stuff. So I do a little bit of gaming stuff, do a little bit of comic stuff when I can. But mostly I now write novels and short stories. Excellent, excellent. And you have a novel that is about to come out or has come out, correct? Yeah, it, it came out at the end of last year, just in time for Halloween. And that would be Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors that we're talking about. And Dr. Cushing is, it's, if you've ever watched a Universal film or a Hammer horror film, classic Universal monsters, and you've thought, boy, I wish they were still making those today. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is for you because it's it's kind of a, a midpoint between universal horror and hammer horror. It's uh, a little bit sexier than the universal, a little bit less sexy than some of the later hammer stuff, but it's got all sorts of cool things that you might like in it. It's got a, a werewolf main character and it's got a pair of psychic twins and it has it has a waxworks uh, run by a, a character whose first name is Vincent. It has uh, a monster frozen in a block of ice. It has Dr. Cushing who collects strange curios from all across the world, including the guy in the block of ice and many other cool things. It, we end up having a vampire. There are mummies. There are mummies in it. There's just all sorts of classic monster goodness in the film. It's set uh, between World War One and Two, in a, that kind of nebulous time that a lot of the Universal classics are set in, where everything was still possible, where science hadn't completely taken over the world. So, you know, if you were to compare it to some of the other things I've done, it's set well before Daikaiju Attack, which is the giant monster story that I did in the 60s, or contemporaneously with... Uh, White Zombie, which I did a novelization of at one point too. So, just to mention a, a couple of the things that I've worked on over the years. So, so, so I can see that, that in this, my mind's third eye, I I see that my uh, history one hundred and one teacher saying, correct the audience and let them know that that's the Edwardian period. That's the curse I have. My 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 <laughs> my college history professor's ghost seems to follow me around. But is this in the same universe as uh, your kaiju and white zombie, or are they sort of different universes, or is there any tie-in between them? Well, white zombie is is it's since it's a movie adaptation of the the classic yes. motion picture, it's kind of in its own universe. But it could actually be in the same universe as Cushing Horrors, or even the yeah, and to just drag another project in, the Frost Harrow series, which is my modern gothic horror series that's currently being serialized on my website, uh, sdsullivan.com, or stephendsullivan.com, if you can spell Stephen with a PH. So, maybe, the answer is maybe it, it fits in with Dr. Cushing's horrors. And I haven't 
quite solidified. My thought is that probably all those things are in the same universe, but I haven't tied them in together in any way, at least at least not yet. So the giant monsters are in their own universe, though since I'm dragging in all my projects, the giant monsters exist in the same universe as Atomic Tales, which I am currently serializing on my site as well and is also currently being done kind of as a radio show in the Mimiverse podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with the films of Christopher R. Mim. Not off the bat, no. Oh, you should be. Um, Christopher R. Mim is a very cool independent Minnesota filmmaker who's made, I think he's up to 14 or 15 feature length modern retro monster movies so they're made now but they look like they were made in this in the 50s and they're not they're not quite as jokey as like the skeleton of lost cadaver the lost skeleton of cadaver but they're similar in kind of feel uh they're a little more homage than parody anyway no no no, uh no modern dance off to the death uh no, though there are songs occasionally. Okay. <laughs> He's even been making films uh, within his household during the pandemic he's, he's made one and I think he's working on a second one now And anyway he's a very exciting if you like old movies and you wish they made more uh, Christopher R. Mim who's a friend and Joshua Kennedy who's another friend are the the kind of people you want to look at nowadays for those kind of films they're not they, they're very low budget but a lot of heart so anyway oh. Atomic Tales is <laughs> a 1950s universal science fiction series basically without being universal it's my own original stuff and that's also going now so I do have well it's funny you know many years ago there's a file in my in my filing cabinet that's labeled the Sullaverse <laughs> oh and so, in theory, a lot of these things are tied together in one way or another, but a lot of it is not really uh, officially tied together. I haven't officially crossed a lot of them over together. So, all that is a very, very long way of answering your, your question. So, yes, White Zombie and Dr. Cushing might be in the same universe, but I haven't officially tied them in with each other yet. You're going to let the fans do that, right? Write these big, giant uh, things on the internet saying, I've proven by this paragraph that these two stories are together. (laughs) They they can do that if they want, and I'd be interested to see it. Um, But if if there is, it's probably more coincidence than anything else. But there are elements of Dr. Cushing that do harken back to classic horror and classical public domain characters, not characters that are owned by Universal or Hammer, say, but say Frankenstein, Dracula, that type of thing. There are characters that are related to that in some ways, and those are in the the first book, and I hope that there will be at least three and maybe five of these Dr. Cushing books. In the first book, it's more subtle that these connections exist. It'll become somewhat more obvious in the second book and beyond. In fact, there is even a a Dr. Cushing story called The Blood of Dracula, which Ooh. is a sequel to this book, or a prequel to the next book, that is coming out, I think, March 14th, in the middle of March, in a, uh, a collection, an anthology that's being put together by the International 
Association of Media Tie-In Writers, which is oh. uh, the um, they it collects all those of us that have done tie-in writing for various properties over the years. For instance, I I did novelizations for Iron Man and Thunderbirds and things like that, and we put together this anthology as a benefit book and it's coming out this uh, this spring and Blood of Dracula is in that so it's tied into Dracula and it's tied into Dr. Cushing and the, the title of that book for people that want to pre-order it because it's up on Amazon now I think is Turning the Tide Tide is not spelled the way the ocean tide is it's spelled as in Tide in T-I-E-D did I get that you right? Want know, you want to know something <laughs> terrible? That's how I spell all tides. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably, you're probably absolutely right. But, but you know. As I was uh, spelling it off the top of my head, I'm like, God, did I just get that right or did I not? If, if you look it up, it, sh- it should come up. Anyway, it's, so that's yeah. pretty exciting too. One yeah, of the things I, I'm haunted by is the I'm ghost of my. Working and, and that's not completely true, but I'm, I do try to have a lot of. A lot of balls in the air at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm haunted by the ghost of my history teacher, not my grammar teacher. <laughs> Anyone who's got an email from me knows that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm haunted by the uh, the English teachers I had over the years. So, uh, and thank thank you to all of them, especially the one that said, "You won't like this now, but you'll thank me later." And <laughs> she was right. Thank you, Mr. Yeah. Perry, wherever you are. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So, so the short story we can get in Amazon. Where can we get your other works? You can get Doctor Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print and ebook form on Amazon. Currently, it may go other places soon. But I wanted to try out the Amazon exclusive thing for a while and see how that goes. So you can get it for Kindle or you can get it in print right now. And. Uh, enjoy the heck out of it I think you will and if you want to try pieces of it it was serialized on my website but there's a lot of it it's a it's a doorstopper of a book but you can read it pieces of it on my website you can read the whole thing that way if you want to but there's 34 40 chapters I don't remember there's a lot and I also every year as a Christmas treat for the last four or five years I've done a free Dr. Cushing story on my site as well so you can check out the uh, the free stories which are all prequels i think to this point for dr cushing so there you go i've dragged in most of my other projects here while we talk but dr cushing is one of the main things that i'm, I'm yeah. working on and will continue to work on for the next foreseeable future years kind of like the bbc gives us a special doctor who episode for christmas yeah you get a, yeah, a special actually, dr cushing episode it is. There's a there's a British tradition of doing ghost stories at Christmas for whatever reason. A, a Christmas Carol is part of that, but there's a long literary tradition of that. And somehow, <laughs> like I don't have enough to do. Stupid me got it in my head that that would be a good thing to do at, at Christmas time for Dr. Cushing back when I started working on the project. And I've just kept it up every year and I can't stop now. Now now people expect it, right? I also have another yearly free story that I do for Frost Harrow on Halloween, and that's been going for seven years, eight years now. So, so I'm not so, someone so, that just starts a project and then it ends. Yeah. <laughs> so so quick, stick with me. 
quick public service announcement. If you are trying to track the origin of English ghost stories for Christmas, that is a rabbit hole. I uh, believe me, I've gotten lost in that rabbit hole. They forget Roswell and Kennedy assassination and all those other weird things. That is a rabbit hole. And you gotta be really strong metal fiber to go into that because yeah, that's that's my public service announcement to the audience. Just if you try to figure out where that tradition came from. Yeah, it's get ready for a while. And there, there's yeah. books full of them. And there's and there's authors that just that wrote a lot of them, you know, it's like every year they did just like this foolish man is now doing. Every year they put out their own little Christmas ghost story. So the Christmas Carol is obviously the the super super famous one of that. So you know, everyone should be familiar with that. And my Christmas ghost stories are well, there's one about a ghost dog maybe and there's one about a mummy and there's one about a, a, a creature in the Congo so I'm a little broad with my definition of ghost story but the Christmas horror story fits in well with Dr. Cushing we'll, we'll, we'll let that slide so here on on uh, KZOM on Radio Free Oleander we're, we're celebrating uh, fantastic February just the, the fantasy and so our question of the month is, if there was one creature from fantasy, either folklore, mythology, or maybe even writing, that could be real in this world, what would you pick? Oh, that's an interesting question. As I mentioned at the top, I worked with Dungeons & Dragons D&D for many, many years, and I still do, technically. Mm. Um, so it's tempting to say something like dragons but that would be really dangerous would it count as elves because i think tolkien's elves are just super super cool <laughs> sure sure and i i would say elves because they're less dangerous than fairies but almost as cool it would be it would be neat if they were they were real if we're talking just as a general generic creature if we were going more monstrous oh boy that'd be then it'd be tough, and it'd be nice to have a, a flying horse to fly around on. That'd, yeah, be, that'd cool. be cool. Or you know, if you want to see something really cool, a griffin. Would oh be yeah. Cool. Or or any any creature that Ray Harryhausen ever animated. Ray Harryhausen is one of my heroes. Yeah, so, absolutely. His cyclops, his dragon, his griffin, his uh, collie, his any of those would be really really cool. So for for the kind of pacifist. <laughs> section we'll put elves down oh, otherwise okay. uh, maybe griffins Griffin. or maybe the Loch Ness Monster which I'm, I'm very afraid is actually just a myth even though I love love it dearly so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, see me personally I would love it to be some sort of brownie or you know half spirit house spirit because you know if I could just hey hey thank you guys and crumble up some graham crackers and put powdered sugar on it and I got all my milks I mean all my goats milked that would be heaven for me <laughs> it would be nice to have little spirits like that around the house yeah. and, and occasionally you know I'm I'm a when I was doing Uncanny Radio I was the skeptic and Linda was the believer but occasionally weird things do happen in the world and there's a there's a spirit that's called a Norwegian spirit that's called a Vardogger. And the Vardogger is a, it's kind of a shadow of things yet to come. And it manifests as 
someone appearing to have come to your house before someone actually comes to your house. And usually it's someone you know. So I joke with my wife that there's a Vardogger in our house because often, 10 minutes before she gets home, I will hear what sounds like someone walking around upstairs. My studio is in the downstairs. And I'll go, Hon, are you home? And there'll be no answer, and I'll go upstairs and she's not home. <laughs> and then she arrives 10 minutes later. And that's the, that's the, uh, so we joke that that's the, the Vardogger in our house, which is, you know, I, I guess, you know, we're of Viking heritage. I think the Vardogger is a Norwegian or Viking Swedish spirit. And so maybe, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> you, you know, I, I would say that we had, I thought we had a, a Vardogger here, but it turns out, no, it's just the the Prime and the UPS delivery guy. I've ordered so much online that it just seems like he keeps coming all the time. There he goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy's he, he haunts my house as well. So, I think it's fair enough to say that you know there were some good things last year, but in general, 2020 wasn't that great a year. And I mean, I know the big things hopefully get out of 2021, but just sort of on the the fun pop culture, maybe horror or literature side, what are some things in 2021 that you're looking forward to? Uh, 2021, things that I'm looking forward to, aside from things like my books coming out, which I just mentioned, and I hope to maybe have as many as four or five books out because I've kind of got a little backlog built up with my fantasy books and and uh, some of my Frost Hera horror books. I'm looking forward to King Kong versus Godzilla. Absolutely. That should be fun. Uh, I'm a huge fan of both of those iconic characters. You know, I, I do believe there's a complete difference between the, the original 33 Kong, King Kong and the current one, and that, I'm just fine with that. You know, yeah. the one that Godzilla fought in 1964, I don't remember the year, was very different from the King Kong that Willis O'Brien animated. So I'm really looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. I'm hoping we'll get to see the Black Widow movie this yeah. year. I have, there's been a, a spate of Paul Nashy Blu-rays released over the last year, and I've been uh, simultaneously watching them with David Annadale, who's a, a professor who teaches, among other things, horror films up in Canada. And he and I have been watching Paul Nashy Blu-rays, and I'm hoping that we'll get a couple more really good ones coming out this year. In fact, uh, speaking of Blu-rays, I just saw that there's a, a big Christopher Lee collection coming out from uh, I think it's, it's an Arrow or Severn, one of those two. That, that It's expensive, but it should be, that'll be really cool, so I look forward to those kind of, those kind of things. I'm looking forward to actually being able to see people again. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, because I've basically... Uh, seen almost no one for almost a year now. Yeah. I've only used, I've filled up my gas tank once, twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, so I'm, but that's, that's not fantasy and cool, cool fantasy related stuff. So I'm looking forward to those. I know there's something really obvious that I'm forgetting that's that's coming out related to fantasy and all that kind of stuff. Every year I look forward to Ray Harryhausen's birthday because I spend all day watching his films on his birthday. Oh, every that's cool. week. Yeah, every week I look forward to 
uh, Monster Kid Radio runs a Twitch stream every Saturday all day and then evenings on Tuesday. And I look forward to doing that every week. Uh, he's running public domain movies this weekend, which is the weekend, Valentine's Day weekend. He's running Mad Scientist movies. That's a lot of fun. Hanging out with people on Twitch that way, fellow Monster Kids, is really it's probably helped save my sanity if anything anything yeah. happens this year beside my wife so those those are the kind of things i look look forward to i look forward to seeing seeing new films finding new films uh as i said i'm i'm deeply into paul nashi i'm doing a nashi related project uh this next year i i'm starting it now i'm hoping it'll be complete before the end of the year and so any any new stuff they bring out with Nashi that hasn't been available in the U.S. or hasn't been seen here except in crappy VHS transfers with bands yeah. and all of that kind of stuff I look forward to I look forward to things I don't I don't know about yet I, I'm one of these people I love being surprised by cool stuff you know, I yeah. don't like being surprised by being hit at a traffic stop or something, but I like being surprised by. Oh look, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is coming out. I had no idea. <laughs> just real quickly, sort of just a, a personal story. The first time I ever saw the sixties Godzilla versus King Kong, my we had moved and my dad had driven me back to the the neighborhood that we used to live in so i could see my best friends and it was on tv you know they, they always after school in the la market they had these these you know tv show or movies on and so we acted that out just you know the whole movie and we were jumping down and we were nine years old and we were hyper because it was king kong versus godzilla if any movie could ever give me that experience again that that you know of course this new movie i'm looking forward and i'm excited it'll never be the same as being nine and watching it for the first time you know with my best friends but you know if it just gave me a portion of that experience you know i'd be uh, i'd be i it, i hate to say it made up for everything that happened last year but it, it would make me feel a lot better about life if i could just get a portion of that experience yeah no it'd be nice it'd be nice to have some stand-up and cheer moments you know my wife and i usually go to a lot of movies in the theater and we haven't gone to any since yeah. oh, i think harley quinn and the birds of prey was the last one we saw and we won't until it's, until it's safe, it's safe. until it's safe to go i'm i am high risk because of lung problems that i was born with so i am basically trying to take as close to zero chances as i can and will continue to so i'm looking forward to hopefully maybe getting back into the theater and seeing some of these things or or i have to get a much or i have to get a much bigger tv at home (laughs) yeah well we're about out of time but once again uh just where can people get uh dr cushing and, and your other projects you can buy dr cushing and a lot of my other books including books that are not books I own that I worked on, you know, the Dragonlance books, the probably the Iron Man Fantastic Four, some of them have maybe collector prices, you can find them in Amazon.com uh, look look for my name, Stephen D. Sullivan or type in Dr. Cushing Chamber of Horrors, that'll bring those up, you can join my Patreon, and I send out chapters of uh, my current 
book that I'm that I'm serializing every two weeks, as well as other announcements and stuff like that. That you can join for a buck or two and and, uh, and get that, or you can give me more money because you love me. Uh, so those are the two two main ways. You can go to my site sdsullivan.com or stephendsullivan.com if you want to hear about Atomic Tales you can go to atomictales.com if you want to hear about giant monsters daikaijuattack.com you can find me on Facebook friend me, sometimes it takes me a while to friend people especially if I don't recognize who they are but I'm, I'm happy to chat about this and chat about you know where I've been where I'm going, what I'm working on that kind of stuff and you can join uh, join me in, in the Twitch channel that I just mentioned, which is not owned by me, but is uh, uh, MonsterKidMovie.club, and that runs all day, pretty much all day Saturday from uh, 1 o'clock Central until usually 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and uh, it's based on the West Coast, so it's earlier for them, yeah. <laughs> or Tuesday evenings too, so lots of places to find me. Well, excellent, and we hope to have you on again soon. And we do have to make time for the GOAT Report. The GOAT Report will be after this commercial, but we can pretty much tell you, Joe, the GOATs don't think that your Aunt Betty should be dating that guy Fred. He's just no good for her. But we'll let the, we'll let the GOATs say it themselves. <laughs> I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at HeySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. couple miles outside of town everyone there's a goat farm and on that goat farm is Dave's underground bunker and there he has shenanigans join Dave for Dave's underground goat shenanigans where Dave talks about comic books and explores his underground base here's Dave spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. 
Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher. Or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. The Necrocastican, where we blend horror and metal for your pleasure, and ours, with special guests from horror and metal, with host Smoke and Walt Ball, ah! Thomas R. Clark, well, that was sort of like Paul trying to get laid. Mr. Scott Reacts, you don't have to pay for it, which I think is ridiculous, Sergeant Fury Dan Roberts, and Uncle Skip Novak, train, train. and where can you find the Necrocastican, Sergeant Fury, wherever you get your fine-ass podcasts, Mondays on Project Entertainment Network. you by joyo technologies check links in the show notes for some sweet deals on some joyo guitar pedals all right dnd on dnd with dave and db here we go hey everyone we are back it's me db and this guy over here farmer dave farmer dave how's it going i am well yeah just sold another t-shirt all right hey everyone uh this is dnd on dnd welcome to 11:30 a.m kzom place to be and be seen i know it's a radio station but that's the that's our logo uh, our slogan anyway uh D and food dave do you do you have any uh D and food stories you know not really you know the main you know is you know basically i just try to for you know fluff it's it's always it's sort of like when you're at the end, it's like lamb stew, yeah, or, or mutton. Uh, but I, I really sort of, in most cases, um, we just yeah, we just we don't cover food very much. Wow, because if there's one thing that my campaigns have always like been heavy on, and also like I you know because of my culinary background, I. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that enough on the show, but because of my culinary background, I am able to like create like big things of food and feed a bunch of people and like create something that like maybe will be part of the campaign and like, you know, make something that everyone will eat, even if it's like just something as like, oh yeah, here's some uh, uh, watered down wine and salt tack crackers. Welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah, now, now I do I do have a, a medieval utensil trivia that I, that I often use in a lot of my games. Oh, what's that? So the primary um, the primary utensil used in medieval Europe was the knife. Mm, yeah, yeah. And you kept it with you, so that's why you know people would have you know not only for protection they would have. A, a knife or a dagger, but that was also what they would use to eat. Yep, yep. Very, very true. Very true. So, have you done anything like that to like represent like levels of civility in Dungeons and Dragons? No, but I, in like GURPS time traveling, 
I use that as sort of the justification for the agents to have have knives. You know, when they're told they can go around the city and have a knife, so that they because it would it would blend in because um, that was the primary eating utensil. Aha! I've I've definitely used like uh, how tables are set in like uh, restaurants or inns or like. Um, a guard tower or anything like that or like a goblin camp or something like that to like kind of like um k- kind of like uh, a way to describe the level of civility it's like oh you see before you a uh, uh, you know a set of silver uh utensils and uh you know super fancy plates yeah, a lot you know gold gilded plates with uh, intricate designs and like at least seven spoons you see before you <laughs> and it's like not one knife and you're not quite sure what uh, the, some of the utensils that you know are undistinguishable are for but this is what the high elves are eating with um, but then again I've also like uh, at one point in time I was an assistant chef um at a natural food store and I did cooking classes and one thing that uh, the chef and I decided to do was I said hey can we do a D&D feast and he's like oh we can't say D&D feast let's say medieval feast like medieval fantasy feast and I'm like yeah and then people can like wear medieval stuff from all eras and then I won't be super critical about it And we we uh, we figured out like what kind of bread, and we went with kind of like uh, an Italian Renaissance feeling to it, and just had all kinds of stuff. Are you still that's there, Dave? Cool. Oh yeah, there no, you are. no, that's cool. Cool, yeah, yeah. And that's that's like my big kind of like D and D story about food is like we had like a banquet. We had like probably about like forty people. We lined a whole bunch of tables up, um, and. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was really really crazy. I cooked all day, and then like we put some food aside and showed everyone how we made it and what we did. Just kind of like real quick short steps, kind of like just kind of glossed over a lot of like the more intricate stuff, <laughs> and then we ate and drank heavily for about three hours, and then I had to like mop and clean and do all the dishes while hungover. I was like, oh. So, if you're listening, don't drink and work, and, you know, don't drink heavily. I mean, you know, drink in moderation, or don't drink at all. It's it's up to you. It's your choice. Don't listen to me. I'm just a podcaster. Uh, other thing that I like to do with uh, D&D and food is, like, a group that I used to camp with and hang out with, uh, kind of like my college buddy kind of era friends, is I used to be like, hey, we should, like, make food that our characters would make in D&D. And everyone would be like, oh, that's a great idea. And then they'd figure out like what their dwarf character would make or what their this character would make. And I'm like, well, this is this is all the food that my uh, half-elf bard made. And then it's like mostly wine and like cheese and bread. And like, oh, yeah, I also made curry. And there's a whole bunch of this. And, oh, here's some smoked oysters and just like just this huge amount of food and it's like where did you bring all that stuff i'm like i packed it with me it's like did Bag you pack- holding <laughs> well no no i just had a huge rucksack that i carried and everyone's like whoa that's crazy it was full of like pans and knives and like all my cookware and just dragged it out with me and they're like you brought all that stuff with you all we have is a coleman stove and i'm like yeah that's why i brought my own pots and pans <laughs> 
<laughs> Hope you didn't have to hike in very far. Oh, yeah, we did. We hiked in six miles. <laughs> My shoulders killed me for days and days and days. And then I really talked about it. I'm like, okay, you guys, we really need to think about, like, the... Uh, we might need to recalculate the rules for, like, uh, carrying stuff. And I'm like, that was definitely... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I think I failed my strength check at one point. But yeah. Oops. Yeah. Uh, do you know where Eagle Creek is in Oregon? There's two. Okay. So where the fire is or the one that is by Sandy? Uh, the one that's by Sandy. Okay. Yeah. 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 That, that Eagle Creek. I, I hiked in. Yeah. Right. Right. It's right next to Estacada. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hiked six miles into there. Oh, okay. <laughs> It, it was snowing. Uh, it was like uh, Thanksgiving evening of 1995, 96. And my friends and I, we decided to like hike in. And we, uh, for some reason, we brought a snow shovel with us. We were going to like sled down like the hill or something like that with a snow shovel. We ended up like digging out the trail on the switchbacks. Uh-oh. And like a year later, my friends uh, did the same thing. And uh, one of my friends fell down the canyon and had to be airlifted out. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I unfortunately was taking my midterms for, like, culinary school. So it would have been 95. Yeah. Anyway. So, so the one thing that we... Uh, well, not me, but a, a, a GM mm-hmm. uh, was running... Because we had a... We had a uh, halfling paladin. Yeah. Uh, most unlawful halfling paladin ever. Mm-hmm. He was he was screaming off the top. He's like, it's okay, I'm a, I'm a, you know, he he'd do all the for the the group treasure and he'd skim off the top and you know, he says, I'm a halfling <laughs> you know. But the halflings would have uh, sticky buns. Oh. That was their big halfling treat with so sticky buns. And so this guy was a pretty rich halfling uh uh, paladin so they were having some sort of celebration and and all the the eligible women uh halflings would like bring him sticky buns uh as sort of to court him <laughs> i i had uh one particular character who was a bard imagine that and uh i i we, we kept like being tasked to bring things to kind of like the potluck and I would always show up with like four bottles of wine and the paladin of the group, she'd go, wine isn't food. You need to bring food. And I'm like, this is for the food. This is, this is to help us drink, eat the food. And she's like, you need to bring food. So I started bringing crackers with the wine, cheese, That's cheese great. and crackers. And she's like, okay, all right. That's at least, at least you're bringing cheese and crackers and you know, four bottles of wine for three people that drank out of a group of six so it was it was it was more to keep like a couple of people from getting too sloppy drunk is more of what our concern was about me bringing four bottles of wine <laughs> people start rolling a 25 on a 20-sided dice <laughs> people take notes or forget to take notes or <laughs> go oh i forgot oh, i'm supposed to be the map the, the map drawer or the DM just goes, I don't know, uh, you guys win, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Dungeons and Dragons in your 20s. 
But yeah. uh, nowadays, I, I, I still incorporate food quite a bit into when I play D&D. And I like to think about, like, healing items and, like, salves and stuff like that. Like, edible things and, uh, like, perishable things as well. Uh, really kind of, like, crafting and brewing kind of elements of Dungeons & Dragons when it comes to, like, various characters. And kind of, like, what can you craft? Like... Well, well, you know, we kind of joke about it, but, you know, that's the reason why so much of the ancient world drank wine and beer, because the water was bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've, I've never, you know, I've never played a game where the DM says, well, we're going to enforce, you know, boil your water rules. But realistically, <laughs> they all should have. And that's why, that's why, you know, you know wine and beer were were so important was because the the water could go bad. Yeah, no, I like I I actually have played in groups that play with boil your water rules and like stuff on that kind of level of like like oh yeah, you guys you guys uh aren't cursed. You have dysentery. It's like what? <laughs> Can a heal spell take care of that? No, it's dysentery. <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, I I could see uh, making a, a you know a craft skill, you know, a baker with a high craft skill, mm-hmm. or or something as just sort of a side gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely, food is a way to make extra money in your game for sure. Like if you have like a brewing skill and baking skill or any of that kind of stuff, any of the like I don't know, kind of extra things that people take for fun, or if you are some sort of person who makes spells or uh, potions or salves or anything like that it's like hey you know i have this skill i can use it for all kinds of stuff not just you know potions or, yeah or you know um you know that that town guardsman may never in his life ever accept a bribe yeah but he might become too talky if you gave him you know beer and sticky buns yeah yeah very true all right well, I think that's a good note to end on there, Dave. I think so. So, um, yeah, I think that's something more. The next time that I play, I'm going to need to uh, uh, maybe pay a little bit more uh, attention to. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to D&D with D&D and Radio Free Oleander. Who was our guest this week there, Dave? It was Stephen D. Sullivan. And you can find out more about what Stephen D. Sullivan has going on in the show notes. And check out links. Find out where to get an I Am Well t-shirt. Or even a t-shirt for uh, Uncle Owen's Goat Farm, if anyone's interested in that. And thank you so much. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends about us. And uh, check out Black Clock Audio Tales. Uh, We're doing Anne Radcliffe stories in the month of March. And uh, also, don't forget, March 15th is our deadline for Gnomish Contraptions. Ooh. And if you want a sticker, or if you want to, I don't know, help out the show, contact us, and we'll set you in the right direction. Thank you again so much. And Dave, you got anything to say? Other than be safe and be careful, and we'll see you next week. Meh. <laughs>